0: Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Maddie
1: A here. Welcome back to the first episode of season six. This is crazy going on 2022 kicking off the year with some amazing guests, an amazing lineup and you know five and a half years into this podcast, uh, you know ranging from top 50 business podcasts in the world, top 100 entrepreneur podcasts in the world, uh, .01 of all of the podcasts, hundreds of thousands of podcasts. we are still at the top because of you guys, the amazing listeners, all of the millionaire mindcast family that has supported this podcast over the years. I just want to start by saying thank you, my immense gratitude. And honestly, why I continue to keep doing this one, of course, I get to learn and grow myself and network. And that's the beauty of having a podcast. But even more importantly, that trumps everything is hearing all the amazing stories that you guys call in email in, share with me about your growth, your success, all the wealth that you're unlocking and not just obviously in your bank account that feeds and funds a lot of this lifestyle and enjoyment. Right. But all of the work that you've been putting in, in the other areas of your life and what, has been a result as that work has been done is even more inspiring to me. So I just want to say thank you so much. If you're new to the podcast, well, welcome. We talk all things money, but not just in your bank account, right? Living like a millionaire in all areas of your life. And that's what you're going to hear in our interviews, and that's what you're going to hear in today's show. So if you're not subscribed to the podcast, if that resonates with you, I think now more than ever, right, we need people focused on not just making money, but making impact and living and leading a life that is wealthy and rich outside of your bank account as well. And so all I ask is subscribe, share this with a friend, a family member, leave a five-star review in iTunes if you enjoy listening to this podcast. And today I get to introduce you guys to one of my best friends and one of my mentors and somebody that I've been on this wealth building journey with for the last seven years, uh, myself, uh, Mr. Aaron West. And uh, he's got a real estate investment and uh, retail business that really has gone far beyond just the real estate sector. And he's somebody that so many people go to for advice. I mean, I'm talking really wealthy people go to him because of his, and you're going to, you're going to sense this, this genuine, authentic, um, I call it the likability factor. He's one of these people that you just can't help but like. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear the conversation that we had today. Um, he also being that we've been in this mastermind group called Go Abundance Millionaire Mastermind Group, which many of you have heard for the last, you know, seven years, Uh, started an internal podcast with this group called Seven to Eight. And it's basically all of the millionaires that are in our community that have gone from seven-figure net worths to eight-figure net worths. And he basically interviews them on their journey. And I mean, I'm talking, they get super granular in some of the things that um, are clues and cues that other people on this wealth-building journey can learn from, apply in your own journey. We talk a lot about those things today. We talked about the relationship with money right? And how we've got the spenders and we've got the savers and that psychology and which one you might be based on what goals you're trying to unlock, understanding what tweaks and changes you might want to make. We talked about a lot of the distractions and how important it is to keep things simple, especially in the noisy, busy world that we live in today. We talked about risks. We talk about this idea of ownership over your money versus stewardship of your money, something being very important there. We talked about why millionaires put themselves on a salary, something very interesting. One of Gary Vee's best quotes that I just had to make sure we highlight here in the interview um, and in the intro because it is so good and it resonates on so many levels. Um, you know, most eye-opening things that he noticed after interviewing, you know, people going from seven to eight. So so many amazing things in today's episode. I can't wait for you guys to listen. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Be sure. If you want to get on my deals list for syndication opportunities, to text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. With that being said, let's not waste any more time in digging into today's episode right after this quick message from today's show sponsor. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer Forward slash Mindcast. That's LinkedIn.com forward slash Mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to LinkedIn.com forward slash Mindcast and get started. Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show today. This is one of my honestly favorite human beings on the planet. For a variety of reasons, um, for how badass of a husband and father and athlete you are, but you're just one of the biggest givers and you're one of the smartest dudes I know. So I'm so excited to welcome into the show, my brother, Mr. Aaron West. How are we doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on, my friend. It's good to be here. Yeah. We're going to have some fun, man, because, you know, you and I have been, uh, we've been on this wealth building journey from the beginning. long time. Yes, sir. And I still remember when you and I were, we had our little mastermind event in San Francisco, and you and I were walking and talking um, back to our Airbnb that day. And you said some stuff that really resonated with me. But it, if anything, it was the feeling you gave me in terms of like how genuine and, and how much you care about people. And in Go Abundance uh, Mastermind Millionaire Mastermind group that you and I have been a part of um, for what? I mean, I'm going on year 8, year probably
0: 7. 14. So going on 7. Actually, it's 7 years right now that I've been in GoBundance. Yeah.
1: And seeing your wealth journey continue to elevate and your lifestyle and, and the balance between work and family and, and play uh, has been amazing. And, and the last few years, um, you spun off a show within GoBundance called 728. What is that? And I can't wait to dig so, in on some of the lessons from it.
0: Yeah, it's it's been pretty awesome. So what we do is is we interview entrepreneurs, business owners, investors that have taken their net worth from a million to at least ten million. Um, because there's this point of uh, it's it's a hockey stick effect, basically. It's grind, 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 and grind, 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 and then you start experiencing the momentum of money. And so what we've been doing is interviewing these guys, and and I think we've had three. Three that are worth over a hundred million, four that are worth over 50 million. And then probably was that 12 or 13 guys? We do it once a month. And I think we're on our 20th or 21st episode right now that are between that 10 and $25 million mark. That's amazing. It's been really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's been awesome to be able to spend the time with these guys and really just open up the engine and have them be totally vulnerable with all of their finances. And then, and then what their journey's been like. It's been awesome.
1: Well, I feel like that—that that in itself could be our show today. Just digging in <laughs> yeah. on all of the lessons from from these people, because you know, I've I've listened and heard, and I know many of these these gentlemen. And um, there, ha- there there there's been so many differences in everyone's journey, but then there's also been these like clues and threads and commonalities. And so, why don't we start on on some of those things? Of like, what have been some of your greatest selfishly for you? some of the things that you've picked out, you've pulled out of these journeys and like things that you have implemented in your life based on the fact that they have resonated with your core values and the success you're trying to achieve in your own wealth journey?
0: And that's a great question. And the list is long. Uh, I, would, I would start off with saying that all of them were very intentional about playing their own wealth game. They didn't care what anybody else was doing. They found their lane and they stayed in it. And so they didn't compare themselves to other people. And so they never got distracted with what other people were doing. And um, I, I think that was one of the, the the biggest ones that's kind of been universal throughout all of these guys is that they just didn't allow outside influences to distract them from their journey. Uh, I think one of the other things is, is they just, as creative as they all are, when they found their lane, they just kept it simple, stupid. Right. They just went through. And if it was apartment complexes, if it was FinTech, if it was, you know, building, if it was single families, whatever it is that they did, they did to it mastery, basically. And so they just, they just wash, rinse, repeat. And as their wealth began to grow, the opportunities got bigger, the numbers got bigger, but what their expertise was and what they were good at, they just stayed in. And, and that was actually a big aha uh-huh because, and you know this, Matt, and, and I'm sure a lot of everywhere, and we're constantly getting barraged with opportunities to Put our money in another place, and there comes a point where that makes sense. Sure, but when you're on that wealth-building journey, it's it's find your lane and stick to it because every piece of energy that takes you away from that slows you down on that journey.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, when when does it make sense? Like, was there a like a a certain number or a time in their journey that they started kind of like, hey, this was my core tree trunk. I've been chopping wood at now. It's time to start looking at some branches and leaves, or
0: or you know. Like, it, it, it depends. I mean, a lot of them never, they still don't invest in anything else. I mean, we just in, uh, interviewed Wally the other day and he literally has, he, he's been buying multifamily. He has almost not a dollar in anything else except multifamily and cash because that's where his lane is. And then we have some people where, and again, once you start the momentum of money, I know that for myself and a lot of guys, um, there comes this point right around $5 million when you get a net worth of $5 million million dollars to where the opportunities are bigger. There's still base hits, but you now have the ability to start building out some other legs in your business or in your life so that if real estate takes a dive, you've got some other places where you have money squirreled away or that's working for you so that you're able to diversify enough to where you're just you're not necessarily changing your wealth building journey. You're just diversifying so that you have other places to fall back on if you need to or that have the opportunity to build wealth.
1: Yeah. Were there any, um, to you common vehicles that seem to be the greatest wealth building
0: vehicles or was it a variety of a bunch of things? It's, it's real estate. It's real estate. I mean, we've, we've talked to guys that have gone into a bunch of different industries or that come from a bunch of different industries, but virtually all of them. It, it was through real estate and being able to leverage and and being able to make other people's money work for you and taking advantage of the interest rates that we have now and then just starting to compound that and and foremost of them to actually none of them other than one um, it was a it was a ye- it was years it was five six seven years of compounding. Before they really started getting that momentum of, mm-hmm. of that wealth. So if, if they were a doctor or a writer for a TV show or whatever it is, they use that money, they live within their means and then they start investing in real estate. That's been the most common place for people to build real wealth.
1: Yeah. It, it seems to me that, like you said, this simplicity, right? Of uh, there's something to be said for that. I, I, I can be the first to raise my hand and say, you know, the first. Five, you know I'm twelve years into my professional career and in investing and 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 working, and the first like five to seven years it was trying so many different things, and like ego wise it sounded cool and it might have looked good optically, but then like looking back, I was like damn i didn't I didn't really make a ton during that time, and it was when I really like took the five lane freeway down to like, okay, this is my fast lane. This is my fastball. This is what's going to get me on base with base hits and then all of a sudden doubles and triples and home runs and points start getting put up on the board consistently. There's something to be said for that because so many people... One, there's the vein and the vanity piece of just wanting to look cool and say that you've done these things. But as I've gotten deeper into that journey, like I've really come to respect and appreciate people for being able to eliminate those distractions And I'm curious, you, being someone that has exercised that discipline yourself, how have you come to discern what you give your time, your money, your resources, your energy to, being
0: that you have
1: a lot of asks that are coming at you in your world?
0: You know, it's... Uh, part of it is just surrounding yourself with other people that can give you perspective, you know, yeah. and, and other people that are just way smarter than you are in, in other areas. Yeah, you and I aren't the smartest. We, we well, both yeah, admit that, I am, right? <laughs> I am by no stretch of the imagination a shot the stool in the shed at all. Oh man, I, I, I just uh, wash, rinse, repeat and follow. That's that's my motto. Yeah. Um, I, I think that as, first of all, when you're grinding, you can't be distracted by anything else. You just can't because if you're trying to get from point A to point B and you're zigzagging back and forth all you're doing is delaying the opportunities that you're you're presenting to yourself. So when you're in that grind mode of just building wealth, you need to just put your nose down and just work and and learn how to work smart and leverage and you know, build things out so that things are working for you. Once you get to where you have and I use the word disposable income, but income that if you lose you, it doesn't affect you at all, then it becomes a matter of just leaning into other smart people. I invest in nothing that people that I know, unless people that I know who are smarter than me and have experience in it, it's like the whole um, richest man in Babylon. Yep. You don't give your coins to the camel trader to go buy buy gems, right? So you know it's finding the people that are experienced in what they do that have a track record that... that and, and that's where if I put money somewhere, it goes into one of those.
1: Now, mindset is a big you know, peace for a lot of people that, you know, maybe you can make some money here and there. Um, we know a lot of people that make a lot of money but don't keep a lot of it. Um, so like being rich and wealthy yes. are, are are two different things. Um, at least in in our opinions, I think we align on that. Um and, and at the foundation of all of that, right, is like this this money psychology. You know, we got, we had the chance of listening to Morgan Housel, who wrote The Psychology of Money and a lot of the different ways that people think about money. Therefore, they behave a certain way about money. Therefore, they accumulate or not, you know, the opposite Mm -hmm. their money. And so, what are some of the things that you've seen and learned being around so many wealthy people, interviewing so many wealthy people around? The different relationships with money and the positive and the negatives that go along with that.
0: I, I think that at, at its core, there's two two kinds of people with money. There's there's the spenders who are afraid of having money for whatever reason. So no matter how much money they make, they I, I was one of those guys. In, in full disclosure, I out earned my spending. My whole life, I was making $15,000 a year and I was broke. And when I left my my W-2 job making $135,000 a year, I was just as broke. Because as soon as something came in, there was always a place to, to do it. Right. So so spenders are afraid of having money. Savers are the ones that most people aspire to. And they're like, oh, I wish I was a saver. Or savers are like, oh, I've got this X amount of money in the bank. But the reality is, is that they're afraid of losing money. So they get this attachment to money and they're not willing to let it go because to a saver, money is safety and security. And as soon as they take ownership of that money, no matter how much it is, I tell this story, I have a client that I done with a couple of months ago and his mom had sold this big parcel of land that ended up being a, a high school and they had paid her in 1996, $800,000 for this parcel of land. And she had... $800,000 in her savings account today. So 25 years later, she couldn't do anything with that money because she was so afraid of losing it that she wasn't willing to take any kind of risk with it. It would be $2 million, $3 million if she had done nothing but put it in a safe place to invest. And that's how most savers have their relationship with. And and the the, the secret, and one of my buddies, Daniel Del Real, talks about is the difference between ownership versus stewardship, right? As soon as you take ownership of something and it's yours, you treat it however you want to. If you inherit a million dollars, you know statistically, I think it's 97% of people who win the lottery are broke within five years because they take ownership of that money. They go spend it, they go buy a house, they buy a boat, all this other stuff, and then they're broke again. Whereas if Matt, if your best friend came to you and said, hey, listen, but I have cancer and I'm, I'm gonna die and, and I'm gonna leave you a million dollars so that you can take care of my kids and I want you to take care of that money so that when they grow up, that money is there for them. You're going to make very different decisions on what you do with that money because you have stewardship of that money. But the reality is, is for most of us, we never take stewardship of any of our money at all, where we don't have an emotional attachment to it and we simply treat it like what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's that's the challenge that so many people have. And, and truthfully, even Morgan Helsel, when I listen. To him, speak when we heard him t- talk, and then I read his book. He's a saver. Yeah, he is like he is a saver. He is very averse to any kind of. Once he has that money, he's very averse to let it go. And he even says that in the last chapter of his book when he, he talks did. about what he does with his money. So. He doesn't even necessarily have a truly healthy relationship with money because he still has an emotional attachment to it. And so I think that's the secret with a lot of these guys that have built a lot of wealth and, you know, with the people who I think have a healthy relationship with money is that they, they've learned to separate the money that they take that they own from the money that they're taking stewardship of that is also theirs but it's not theirs so i i had an account called not my money account i still have it i just opened it up again because i haven't been saving enough money and in my bank account you know you can name it savings checking whatever it's literally named not my money i love that and and so when i put money into that account my commitment is is that i'm not going to touch that money no matter what when i was on my wealth building journey that not my money account was the money that for Aaron, who I had the potential to be, right? So every time I put money in that account, that was for Aaron 20 years from now. And what am I going to do to invest that money to help Aaron be the person that he wants to be 20 years from now? So I haven't had a not my money account for years now because I haven't felt I needed it until I started going, I need to because... And I've never met a piece of real estate I don't like. (laughs) So there's opportunities everywhere, right? Every time I get money, I'm like... Life is good. I'm gonna I'll just invest it in that. But I came to realize that I was losing those disciplines again. So I started that not my money account a couple of months ago and I'm committed to having a certain percentage of my wealth in those accounts at all times so that I have that discipline of being able to say, okay, I'm I'm creating that right relationship that I should have with my money.
1: Yeah. I, I think you you brought up some good points there in terms of that, that there's, there's a level of detachment, like emotionally and physically based on a set of principles, like you're talking about that give you permission to either be a certain type of spender or really a more of a balance between a saver and a spender. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and also I loved what Morgan said about how there isn't a right or a wrong way. At least this is what I've learned. Cause I, I, I like, you get to a point where you're like, this either makes sense financially, investing wise, you know, wealth building wise, or it doesn't. And I liked what he said, where the psychology of money for a lot of people, there isn't a right or a wrong answer based on what you want your money to do for you. Now, if you're the person, I think the challenge. Oh yeah, go for
0: it. No, and, and I think the challenge though is that what most people do with money is they say this is my relationship with money, and then that's it. Yeah, but that's like right. getting married to someone and saying, this is our relationship right now and I'm not willing to do any work to improve it and make it a better relationship. And because it is a relationship with money. and I mean, no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I think the people that build wealth have learned to improve that relationship where if they're naturally a saver, they've adjusted their relationship so that they can invest more and invest better. So the challenge is, is that, it's okay to have a relationship with money and, and it's the right relationship with you, whatever that is, as long as you're comfortable and understand that it's a relationship. But for you to just say, oh, this is my relationship with money, I'm a saver, you're totally putting yourself in a place where you're not improving who you are and improving the opportunities for you to build wealth.
1: Absolutely agree with that. I think that it, you know, your identity over, Like who I am today is not who I was 2 years ago and not who I was 5 years ago and is not who I was when I was 16 years old. And Mm -hmm. if I only said I'm this person, then I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And I think the same goes for your wealth. It goes for your health. It goes for your marriage. It goes for your relationship with your kids or whatever, right? And that's why we talk about this kind of whole life millionaire concept is like your life... And all of those other buckets will only grow to the extent that you're willing to allow your identity to evolve and take what is good and is serving those goals and shed what is not. But also understanding that physical world, opportunities, vehicles, things are going to change and you have to be willing to change and meet them where they're at and make those pivots and adjustments. But I agree completely. Like I look at myself as a shepherd that pretty much everything that I have and own, I really don't have and own. I'm more of just shepherding those things, whether it's my children and helping them be successful, or it's making my marriage better, or it's seeing my bank account, my wealth go go up or grow, or my ability to make an impact. Like, I don't own any of these things I have a responsibility, though, to be a shepherd and do what is necessary to get those things going in the right direction, based on what I think I want to achieve and what I believe is right, you know, in alignment with my core values and morals. And and I think a lot of people lose sight of that, right? Like once you hit a milestone, that doesn't mean that you unlocked it and you're there and it's locked in forever. Like this is a constant evolution and process of growth, and money is no different.
0: It, it's totally true. And you know, one of the things that you you mentioned that kind of resonated with me with the 728 show and all the guys that we've interviewed to a person in that seven, in that show. And, and really, for most of the guys that have built a lot of wealth, they have all put themselves on a salary. It's not a budget. It's a salary. They all have come up with a number that they're comfortable living their lives at, and they hold that number. And then everything that they make over that is all for the future because they're living just a good solid life that's comfortable, they have the money that they need, they take they own that money, but everything else is like you said, they're a shepherd of that. But the, every single one of them has been very specific and diligent about saying this is what we make every month. I know that's the way we are, I know that's the way you are, and and nothing has changed my life more I think than being on that salary for the exact same salary for 6 years because it was it's a good life.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think once you build to that level, right, you can be okay with what you do and don't need. And I do see that in a lot of people. There's, of course, the anomalies and the lightning in the bottle type people that you see on Instagram that are doing all these crazy things. But, like, the people that I know are the wealthiest are the people who have fundamental, sound rules that they don't break. And they just because they made a million dollars that month doesn't mean that they increase their spending by 500K that month, they don't increase their lifestyle. They still find a way to find that happiness and that balance within the rules of the game that they set for themselves, and so I think it's un- it's important to understand what that looks like for you. People literally are still blown away, you know. Every time we do our one sheets together, and I go over my monthly expenses, and they're eleven thousand dollars, people are like, "What the fuck? Like, what do you mean you're?" I'm like, "Dude, I'm happy. My wife is happy. My kids have everything they need." We travel when and where we want to. And a lot of that, you know, being a business owner allows you to run and funnel some expenses through, you know, and lifestyle through those vehicles. But like you don't need to have a shitload of money and a bunch of, you know, material assets, uh, materialistic assets, which are often depreciating assets to be happy, to, to be seen, to be living this epic, rich, fulfilling life. And that's where I think it's important for people to. You know, why, why I love these conversations is people can get you know all these different deposits from other people and identify like what their rich life looks like.
0: Exactly right. And you know, the, the thing is is that it's it's we talk a lot about building wealth, right? You know, and that's and your the millionaire mindset is all, all about building a whole life. Um, but the reality is is that as you start to make money or as you begin to start putting these disciplines into place to make money. It translates to the whole rest of your life. Yeah, the whole rest of your life gets easier because by being disciplined in this place and and having the reserves or having just a, even a little bit of money, I'll never forget when I had five thousand dollars in my not my money account. I was like, "This is awesome!" It it made me feel totally different just because I had put that discipline in place, and then that that translates just to all the areas of your life as well. So you know, I I think that. We focus on money a lot, but if you don't have an emotional attachment to the money, then then you're able to focus and have live a both-and-life and not an yeah. either-or-life.
1: Mm. That's, that's a great thing to, to consider for a lot of people. Of all of the people that you've been around and we've been around and that you've interviewed and also in, in yourself, what do you consider to be one of the most common or important wealth building or investment skill sets or financial literacy skill sets that you think a lot of people are either missing or should focus on challenging themselves to learn, to
0: cultivate, to craft? You know, uh, the, the, the simple. I always try and break things down to the simplest answers because it's, it's the richest man in Babylon. If you do those things, you'll be wealthy. It's it's it is not rocket science. It is really simple. You can be a teacher. I just sat down with my son's teacher, who is a saver, but he's living on a teacher's salary, and he's got eight hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Ah, oh, I love that. He's living by the principles of living beneath your means, investing in safe places, and just playing the long term game. Gary Vaynerchuk said something once. It's you know, people want to get rich quick, but life is long, and that's one of my favorite quotes ever. Oh, that's a good one. You know, I, I think that that's one of the things that when people um, start this journey, they don't give honor to the time that it's going to take to make it happen. And so most people vastly overestimate what they can do in one year and vastly underestimate what they can do in five years. And so I think the skill set is, is understanding that you're playing a long-term game And then, and that you're you're working towards mastery in whatever field it is. If it's a doctor, if it's a whatever it is, if you're working towards mastery in that, to where you now start being able to see all the intangibles. And that's that's one of the things about the guys on the Seven to Eight show that has been the most eye opening for me than any other thing on there is how creative they are. In their niche, they do things that apply to a ton of different industries that I would never have thought of. You know, I'll never forget Ryan Bowden. The first one that really blew my mind was he buys he buys commercial, you know, apartment buildings and that kind of stuff, big ones. He goes to 40 lenders for every single one of his properties. Because, and then he plays them off of each other to get him the absolute best terms. I'm the Joe Blow guy that was going to my local, uh, you know, bank and say, what are the terms for this? And they would say, here are the terms. And I'd be like, Okay. And just through creativity that, that he had with seller financing and being able to take repairs. And it was, it was mastery in a way that he had done all the work to where all of these other little nuances now made a huge difference in the acceleration of what he did. So I think that it's when you figure out what your niche is, is find people who are farther along the journey than you. And you'll be surprised at how many and how generous they are with their time and energy to help you be successful if you're willing to put the work in and then just go to work.
1: Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors
0: Absolutely. That was a long answer to your question.
1: No, but I think it, it it aligns with like one of my favorite sayings that, you know, I think has become one of my staples on the podcast, which is this this crock pot versus the microwave, you know, crock pot mentality versus the microwave mm-hmm. mindset. Yeah. Right. And so many people, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, of course, who doesn't want to put, you know, something in the in the microwave and you know, you get a, a Ruth Chris steak with mashed potatoes and gravy and all the, you know, all the good stuff. But at the end of the day, like that's just not a reality, right? we know what you get out of the microwave and and you got to be realistic about that if that's what you are going to do and how you're going to approach it versus this longer winded game of of life and anything really right not just money it's something that as as i've gotten deeper into my own journey right i'm 33 years old you know when i was 21 i was thinking a lot different it was this microwave mindset i'm going to crush it i'm going to be right and i'm Private jets and, you know, rolling around and this and that. And as you get deeper in through experience, and, you know, life will kick your ass. It will take your backpack. It'll steal your mm-hmm. lunch money and then it'll humble you. And if you're willing to get humbled and then kind of revise the mentality and mindset and understand what really goes into, you know, being around the David Osborns and, you know, a lot of the the wealthy people that we've been fortunate to learn and grow around and grow into, you know, some of the success that they've had, it's one of those things where you really just have to like humble yourself and and just be willing to learn and stay curious. And that's why I know you and I have always been great friends is because we're just always looking to learn from other people. And we don't shy away from putting in the hard work and and going in there and rolling up our sleeves because that is what it takes until you've unlocked the right to maybe not have to work and grind as hard as it is. And I think that's a mentality that is, slowly eroding in some of the fabric of maybe some of the younger generations that see all this flash and sexiness don't get me wrong i love seeing all that shit too but it's not the I reality of what right we both do but it's not the reality of what unlocks and sustains and grows those things
0: yeah and you know one of the things that you talked about with you, us being fortunate around being so, around the these amazing wealthy people who lead, lead these big lives and this is just a piece of advice for the listeners that that someone told me once that I am forever grateful to them is successful people want other people to be successful. They are willing to help you, but they do nothing for free. So when you go, and and I would challenge you if you're listening to this podcast to think of the three most successful people that you know, reach out to them and ask them to go to coffee. They all will go to coffee with you. Ask them about their journey. But somewhere in that conversation, they're going to give you a test and they're going to give you homework. It's either going to be, I read this great book. You should read this book. I listen to this podcast on a regular basis. This is one of the things that I did with my bank accounts that really helped me. And, and what they're doing is they're trying to find out if you're a doer or if you're a sayer. Because successful people get hit up by sayers all the time. Everybody wants to be successful. And everybody wants help from someone who's successful. But successful people are doers. And so they're looking for people who are willing to do what they ask them to do. So when you listen to that that suggestion or that homework that they give you, freaking do it. And then reach out to them a week later and say, Hey, I listened to that podcast. I listened to like five of those podcasts. Those were awesome. I'd love to get together with you again and talk about it. Or I read that book and the author is amazing. And I'd love to get together with you again and go over that and get your thoughts on what that book is. You will be blown away at the the magnet that you're creating for yourself for them to come through and be willing to help you and mentor you and help you be successful. Because we don't find doers very often. I mean, successful people all the time and the reason that successful people all hang out with successful people, because if Matt tells me, hey, dude, you should listen to this podcast, I'm going to go freaking listen to that podcast so that I have something to talk about with Matt next time. Or David Osborne or whoever it is says, oh, man, I just got this. Man, they're winning. I want to know what winning looks like. I'm going to go out and take a look at that. So for those of you that's listening, that is a life lesson right there that was passed on to me that I hope serves you well.
1: Yes. I love that cuz it is true right and if you want to be successful like you just don't want to be associated with the the sayers right like you're going to become one of the people that is a doer and therefore the doers are like hey buddy come on come into my circle right which is welcome to the doer circle welcome to the doer circle and and like you said so many people are sayers and don't want to do the hard work And therefore, they stay where they're at. They become bitter about their results in their life, and it's it's this incongruity with what you say and what you do, and the video and the audio don't align, and and that becomes like an internal, like your soul doesn't feel right, right? Mm -hmm. Like you you feel like a fraud, and and when those all of those things align, and you're doing as you say. There's there's a whole other level of confidence and swag and, and and genuineness and authenticity that unlocks the power within you. At least it did for me. That when all of those things started like really getting in alignment, um, not only did yeah the financial stuff start like really hitting, but like my relationships started hitting on another level. My opportunities started hitting on another level. My connection with my relationships and people started con- you know hitting on another level and. I think there's something to be said for that that you know it's you can't measure that. That doesn't show up on a PL. It's 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 not something that you can go and check a bunch of boxes off. Like this is something deep in your soul that you have to feel first, and other people will start to see and, and resonate and, and align with that too, you know, in your physical world.
0: But if you and and I would just say this too, that that for most of us, we 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 have stories that we tell ourselves about why we're not doing it right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a step. And it just... It's one thing at a time. And, and I remember listening to these, these podcasts and everything. When I, was, when I was a spender, I was broke. I, had, I owed $50,000 to the IRS. I mean, I, I had nothing. And from where I started today, to where, where I started then, to where I am today, is just a bunch of little tiny steps. You know, and it's just, it's listening to these podcasts. It's making a phone call and calling someone out of the blue. The last 728 show we did, Wally was talking about, he was reading a book a week and he was writing a letter asking to meet with every single one of the authors that he read the book from. Wow. And, and he said 40% of them didn't respond. 20% of them, he said this is over a three or four year period, 20% of them, he had to do something. He either said he had to pay or he did something to go meet with them. And then the other 40% were like, yeah, I'd love to get together. If you're in the area, come fly down. And these are authors of books that really positively impacted him. And And so it's just It's, it's starting to just take in that information and then taking some kind of action that's associated with whatever it is, that information that you take in.
1: That's such a cool little nugget for anybody that's looking to elevate their circle of influence right there. That, that is an extra mile type of, you know, principle. And I love that. I want to shift a little bit over to, um, some of the, you know, X's and O's of of wealth building real quick in taxes, tax planning. You know, we've, we've been in, in some, pretty insane rooms with you know Obama's wealth advisor and all different types of like high level wealthy people that make a shitload of money but also right the there's a separate practice and discipline around how do you save it how do you minimize and lower your taxable income legally right what have been some of the the most common you know creative tax strategies that you've seen and heard that you know a lot of the you know wealthy individuals that you're surrounded with and yourself are taking advantage of that other people
0: might want to start maybe leaning into and learning a little bit more about so I'm primarily a residential real estate guy i'm I'm a basic guy that's just been buying houses for a long time, so over the years that so you know the depreciation and the tax benefits that come from just owning single family this last year, I bought two commercial properties so that we could do a cost segregation on them. yeah you're able to. Take a lot of that depreciation and compress it into the fir- front first year of, of owning the property. So that's made a big difference because we've always lived on our salary. Um, I've always been willing to pay the taxes that I need to, but having a corporation and being able to funnel the, those expenses through the, some of your expenses through the corporation lowers your, your, um, you know, what your, your income is, which changes your tax basis. Little things like if you own a business paying your children, um, at, a, a lower tax rate. You know, you can pay your kids as long as they're, they're in your Instagram pictures. They're models, and so you can pay them as such, which lowers your yeah. uh, income. And then it also has them either taxed at zero income if it's under a certain percentage, or at whatever their tax basis is for them. So that's that's one place that we've been using for a long, long time is is with the kids. So um, I know you probably do that yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Though yeah, we we've been fortunate enough to kind of get some of these nuggets in in motion for for a while now. Um, you know, I think it's it's something that everybody should challenge themselves to learn. For based sure. on every year, your 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 situation right is going to change, but you want to you want to skate to where the puck is going before it mm-hmm. actually gets there, right? So understanding these things are important because when you got a hundred thousand dollar, you know you know, check that you're going to have to write to uh, Mr. Joe Biden or, or the federal government, you may want to have those plans already thought out. So maybe starting to have some of these conversations, starting to educate yourself on some of these, you know, topics will be important for you. The other side that I'm always curious on is wealth in terms of legacy. Are you one of these individuals that wants to build it all and then hand it off to the next generation and give it to your kids? Are you somebody that wants to give it all away? What do you want your wealth to do for you when all is said and
0: done? You know, truthfully, it depends on how my kids turn out. (laughs) You're like, if they're little assholes, man, I'm not giving them shit. No, you know, I screw them. I'm spending it all. (laughs) You know, I for the my boys are 19 and 17 now. And for the majority of their lives, I told them that they were getting nothing. Right? I was like I'm building wealth. you get nothing. Be prepared to get nothing because I didn't want them to grow up thinking, "Oh, Dad has money, so I'm going to have money. And over the course of the past six months, that that has really transitioned with the conversations that I've had with the boys of, you know, it is my responsibility as a parent now to make sure that sh- your shoulders are broad enough to carry the weight of the wealth that I am building mm. right? And so. And making sure that their relationship with money... We've always talked about money with our kids. My kids know my net worth. They know every time I invest. They know the returns. They see my bank accounts. They see everything. Because I want them to have a detached relationship with money, not a personal relationship with money. So when they see me playing with all these numbers, I want them to know that that's something that they can be doing in their lives. Um, Legacy-wise, you know, now that we're starting to see that hockey stick of wealth start to build... Yep. Um, you know, at some point you need someone to help you, you know, as, as the investments get bigger, as opportunities, I'm still years away from that, but I want the boys to both have the shoulders to be able to help me carry that burden. And if they don't, then they won't be getting any of, of my burden. It would be, it would be a disservice of me as a father to enable them with money when they don't have the ability to carry that money and the ability to have that relationship with money. I love that. I think that is, it's an
1: honorable thing to do. And I think, you know, again, if, if they, I I like that you're, you're going to meet them where they're at, right? If they, if they could give two shits about it and, you know, it's not something that they ever want to do. And they've made that very clear. That's one thing. But, you know, I remember, um, it was Obama's previous, uh, wealth advisor and, um, and he was saying, you know, the way that, A lot of legacy wealth building families look at passing on wealth is there's the, the season of being the Tom Brady. And then there's the season of becoming the Bill Belichick, Mm -hmm. right? And, and being the one who's the creator of it and the, the one who's running the plays and, you know, who's throwing the football. And then there's the time where you have to instruct the players on the field that are going to be a part of winning this collective game that everybody is working. Together to to win. So, I, I really like that you know ideology, and you know you can't make them want it, right? But but if 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 it gets to a point in life where you know they they are seeking it, and you can kind of give them some of these little. Uh, one of our uh, my friends he he calls it inception. Like you kind sometimes you have to plant these little seeds mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. them really knowing it. And at some point, you're going to incept them, right? And they're going to go, Hey, I actually want to learn more about what you're doing over here when you've been planting that seed all along without saying they have to learn it. So really cool take there. Um, brother, it's always a great time talking with you, man, and hanging out with you. Uh, I know you've got all kinds of cool and exciting things that you know are coming up in your world. What are some of the things that you're focused on in 2022 to continue expanding your rich life? You know, not just in the bank account. I know, obviously, making money is is uh, something you're good at and something you will continue to do. But you know, what what are some of the big focuses and goals for for this year and beyond?
0: You know, it's um, uh, one one of our one of our buddies talks about counting down how many summers you have left with your kids, right when they're when they're living with you. And so I've got a 19 year old who's Going to junior college, it'll probably be transferring next year. He's a track athlete. So he's, he's looking for a school to, to go to. And and I think for me, um, what I'm focusing on right now is just making sure that with the limited amount of time that I have with the boys on a full-time level, that we're doing everything we can to prepare them to be men. And and so making sure that you and I were just talking about my son and I went and saw went to, to Dallas and went and saw the cotton bowl in a Dallas Cowboys game and spent five days of just him and I, but the, the oldest one. And and coming back, the last week, he has been a totally different young man. I mean, he's 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 stretching, he's exercising, he's reading books, he's doing all of these things because he had time put into him where we were able to have really solid adult conversations about you know, what does it look like for you to say that your life has been a success 12 months Mm -hmm. from now? And then hearing his answer, and then going, how can I help you make that happen? And so I think just being, you know, really the next couple of years for us, we're always going to... I mean, at at this point, we're surrounded with enough people, we're always going to do well financially, and or my hope is that anyway. But I think that we don't live enough in the present of of i'm reading the 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 power of now right now i think is the name of the book and one of, yeah one of the things he talks about is living in the present and not allowing your past or your future to take up too much of your time in your life and there's a time and a place for your past there's a time and a place for your future and future planning but i'm trying to be really intentional about the now and making sure that the time i spend on the future is preparing me for a better now at that time. And that I'm learning from my past so that my now I can be more present. Well, I know that um, I'm grateful for our past experiences
1: together and our time presently right now today. And I can't wait to keep building with you. And I know that... uh... We're fortunate that we're so we're we're close in proximity. We're close as as friends, and um, I'm just grateful for you, man, and how you lead, how you show up, how freaking funny and fun you are, and uh, that if anybody wants to hang out with Aaron West, you guys got to come to a GoBundance event and, <laughs> uh, and and get some time with this guy because he is uh, I, I call there's there's few people that you meet on at least that I've met you know on planet Earth on my journey so far that I consider Hall of Fame humans, and and you're definitely one of those people, and uh, I just love you, man. So. For those that want to know more about you and, and follow your journey and connect with you, what's the best place for them to do that?
0: Probably Instagram. It's the Aaron Dot West uh, on Instagram. You can find me there. And two things that I just want to say before this is over, you know, for the people that are listening to this show, Matt Atkinson looks like a pimp right now. <laughs> His sweatshirt is. I'm on cozy, point. man. It is cozy. And then the second thing is, is that you never know when a conversation is going to change your life. And you know Matt has influenced me in a lot of ways in a lot of different places. But him and I had a conversation sitting in front of a coffee shop in San Francisco years ago where he gave me a dialogue that literally has made me a million dollars over the course of the last six years. And so you never know when you're going to have that, that life-changing tweak moment with somebody And always be open to it because Matt gave me one of those and I will be forever grateful to you, Mr. Aitchison.
1: Aaron West, love you, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. All
0: right, my pleasure. Love you too, bro. Well, that wraps up this week's episode.
1: Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to the RichlifeAcademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info, and how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know, shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.